Hey, everybody. So I was asked to do this discussion again, and I, I think it's probably a good discussion to do twice. I'm glad I'm more than happy to do it. So that's not a problem. And it's funny. It's not something that I thought was terribly earth shattering. So maybe the best way to have this discussion is to have this discussion. everybody, Todd Conklin, Pre-Accident Investigation Podcast. This is the pod, the super pod, the pod of all pods. No, it's not really. I'm sure there are uh, lots more interesting pods to listen to. And we should do a pod on, because like, I listen to some. You know, it's weird, though. I don't listen to as many as I used to. And I think part of it is because I've really tried to cut back on the time I spend in airplanes. And podcasts are a great thing to do in airplanes. I do listen to them when I ride my bike, though. So fair enough. And uh, clearly, I'm not spending enough time riding my bike. There you go. I, I just challenged myself to listen to more podcasts, which is a secret way to actually ride my bike more often. Huh. Hmm. That was a little unintended consequence that I didn't know was going to happen. I'm pleased to hear that. So today's pod is kind of by request. And it's not by just one request. Oh, that would be easy because you could act like you didn't get the email. But kind of by a lot of requests. And it's a discussion I had Geez, I must have, I don't know when I had this discussion. Maybe I could go back and look, but that seems like a lot of work. Uh, maybe three years ago or something or four years ago. I don't know. The past is all changed because the pandemic kind of erased time. I don't really get it. But it was on what makes the work we do worthwhile. Because the problem we have with the work we do, and it really is kind of genuinely a problem we have, is that it's really hard to notice things that don't happen. And if we do our job really well, the one outcome is that bad things don't happen. Now, it's not because of us. I mean, I don't think our egos are that big. But it's because we help the organization build capacity to manage normal variability and to adapt, right? That's what we do. And the frustrating part of that, and I know it's frustrating. That's why we struggle with metrics and we try to look for things to measure. And we have all these deep discussions and bosses want to hold people accountable and regulators want to look for injury numbers. And it's all about the fact that it's really hard to measure something that doesn't take place. Now, that's not what the podcast is about. But I think that foundation becomes kind of an important part upon what we're going to build this discussion on. Because given that world that you live in, and that's a world where bad things don't happen, and you're a part of making sure bad things don't happen, but when bad things don't happen, there's nothing to measure, so it looks like nothing happened, that, I think, can get a little tedious and a little frustrating and maybe a tiny bit disappointing. And so you have to kind of find ways to motivate yourself from an internal standpoint, because the external motivators aren't really there. In fact, it's quite the opposite in our world. Every one of us is one ankle sprain away from being the worst safety person in the entire company. I mean, we got that. We understand that at a deep level. So what we do is we have to look for ways to understand what it is we do. And there's tons of people that have dealt with this before. Uh, Frederick Nietzsche, 
dealt with it when he talked about existentialism. And this really is kind of a classic existential crisis that we're talking about. So if you want to sound really important tonight at dinner, you can say, well, you know, we had a big discussion on existential crises and here's where I came down on that, right? I mean, that's good. But ultimately what we're dealing with is the fact that more bad things can happen than will happen. And if we help our organizations build capacity to manage variation, then here's something we know. Fewer bad things will happen in a system that's aligned for bad things to happen. We get of this. I, I am completely preaching to the choir. But if you fly an airplane or if you're a doctor or a nurse or if you're a construction person, whatever you do, you understand at a deep level that our processes are not inherently safe. In fact, our processes are probably inherently risky. Uh, if you're on an oil rig someplace, you, you're looking at the example of inherent risk, right? And because our processes are inherently risky, what makes our processes resilient and reliable are people. And how do we motivate for that? How do we make that happen? How do we ensure that that takes place? And that is the discussion that I attempted to have four or five years ago. And I really looked into what is it that makes the work we do satisfying in a world where we don't get a lot of satisfying data, where we're, we don't know what didn't happen, but we're dang glad it did not happen. And that was a really interesting little journey. And it caused me to think a lot about the journey I've been on throughout my life and my career. And, and it's no secret that I made a series of decisions about the direction my life would go, which are different probably than your decisions. The crazy thing about that is it's no secret. You made a series of decisions that made your life different than my life. So we're all kind of on these individual journeys, but we're on these journeys together. And so when we start thinking about, well, what is it that makes what we do doable so we can get up every morning. This is kind of the Nietzschean existential strife thing. Get up every morning in a, in a complex world, a world filled with uncertainty, and put on our clothes and smile and greet people and move forward. How do we make that happen? And I do think that discussion is a very, very interesting discussion to have. I mean, I, I think it makes a big difference. And that's what I've been asked to talk a little bit more about. And I thought I did a pretty good job the first time. I'll just be honest with you. I mean, I probably didn't put a lot of thought in it, nor have I put a lot of thought in today's discussion either. I mean, just sit back and relax for that one. But it is kind of an important question. What is it that makes what we do palatable? What is it that keeps us moving forward? What is it that motivates us every single day? So it's no secret if you think about what it is that defines meaningful work that there's really kind of a set of three phrases that I've used for years, and I want to share them with you, but more importantly, I want you to feel free to use them as much as you want to, to use them any chance you get, and if you need to, change them so they fit perfectly for what you want. But if you ask me, what is it that makes life meaningful? I would suggest it's these three phrases. Good work, done well, for the right reasons. 
And that idea that we do good work well for the right reasons is exactly what keeps, at least in my case, keeps me moving forward. And my guess is, and I could be wrong on this because, you know, I'm never afraid to be wrong. I'm wrong on a ton of crap. But my guess is that's also probably what keeps you going as well. Now, why this is interesting, and it is kind of an interesting topic, is that we don't spend a lot of time defining this. And I'm not sure why, other than maybe it doesn't hit our radar screen, or maybe it's a difficult thing to define, and things that are hard to define, we tend to sort of look for ways to measure other stupid crap, right? So if you looked at some kind of satisfaction survey, how satisfied are you? On a scale of 1 to 7, that would be a modified Likert scale. On a scale of 1 to 7, how satisfied are you with work? Uh, how how available is a close friend for you on a scale of 1 to 7? We can do all these culture surveys. We do tons of them all across the globe, no matter what company you work at. We do these surveys, and we ask people these questions about satisfaction. Are you satisfied with where you work? But in reality, what I would suggest is is that it's really that triad, good work, done well for the right reasons, that ultimately creates worker satisfaction. It, what it really creates, because we're workers, is our sense of meaning, our sense of satisfaction. And what we do is try to make sense out of the world. We're always constantly seeking meaning. That's what human beings do, have since the beginning of time, will till the end of time. I mean, the, the, we're meaning-seeking individuals. That's, that's what we want. We look at things and think, hmm, wonder what that means. wonder what that means. And the reason we have that discussion is because that's where we're going. That's where we're naturally and biologically designed to go, is to, is to find that meaning. Now, why that becomes important is because we have to keep motivating ourselves to do work in a system that's not giving us immediate feedback. I've always thought it would be fun to make things. In fact, let me give you a little secret glimpse into my life. I like to do laundry. And I think the reason I like to do laundry, and laundry is hideously boring to do. I mean, I have a machine, so it, it's not as hard as it could be. It's not as hard as it would be 100 years ago. But I like to do laundry. And I think the reason I like to do laundry is at the end of doing laundry, I have a product, neatly folded towels. And there's some satisfaction in seeing these neatly folded towels. It, it's kind of the, the very definition of a craftsman, is that at the end of doing something, you have this product that you can be proud of, that it's satisfying and it's neat and clean and orderly. And you can bring order to a world filled with chaos. And your world, to a great extent, is filled with chaos. That, that's pretty normal. That is the satisfaction you get at the end of doing laundry. The crazy thing is if your job is to help organizations be safer, uh, if your job is patient safety or your job is aviation safety or your job is safety in the energy sector, the crazy thing is is that you're, you're in fact bringing order to chaos or you're helping to bring order to chaos the challenge is, is at the end of the day, you don't have a stack of neatly folded towels that smell like, I don't know, spring freshness or whatever your laundry smells like. And so because of that lack of a product, it really is kind of an interesting gig, no matter what you do. I mean, and for the most part, the creation of resilience in our organization 
for workers is almost even an ancillary task. I mean, they're, they're measured by doing production. And so production matters, and we can sort of orderly understand and create a product in production, hence the definition of production. But doing it safely, that, that part, that's the part that doesn't have the neatly folded towels. And so we're in this position where we have to think, well, what is it that we do and why are we doing it? And I really think it drives these three comments, good work done well for the right reasons. And the very best thing we could do, and the last time I had this conversation, that's what I really attempted to do, is to look at all three of those kind of individually. So, so what is good work? Well, good work is exactly that. So no matter what you think about your job, no matter what you think, the fact that you're consciously creating an environment where people don't get killed, maimed, seriously injured, where plants don't explode, where pollution doesn't fly into the environment, the fact that you do that as a part of your daily work absolutely qualifies in this notion of good work. And if you're not doing good work, man, my question to you is why in the crap are you still there? Because ultimately, the ability to make the world a better place is ours. We're the only people that own that. And if we're not consciously striving to make the world a better place, then we're not doing good work. And if you're not doing good work, well, you're a criminal. I mean, that's, that's a bad thing. And so we have to find a place where what we do is actually create this notion of good work. And defining good work is not nearly as difficult as other parts of your job. In fact, ultimately, the test I use, and I can only speak for myself, is does this make the world a better place? If I do this, will people be happy? So my friend Mark Yeston, you probably know Mark, he says one of his goals is to make somebody he doesn't know laugh every day. That's good work. I mean, that's, that's really good work. And that's an important thing to do, and it adds to the world. It, it, it makes the world a better place. And so ultimately, at the foundational level, good work is where everything starts. And that's what we do. And that's what you've done your entire career, and your father and mother have done it before you, and your brothers and sisters will do it after you, and your children will do it. And we'll move the world forward incrementally one step at a time. Now, don't think that progress is permanent, and don't think that once we get better, we'll stay better, because we don't live in that world. Progress is impermanent, and the arc of goodness moves both forward and backwards, And for every time we make giant strides into becoming better, there will be moments in time where we suck it all back and we sort of step backwards and things get worse. That's a part of it. But that's a part of it realistically that we should probably understand is always there and has always been there and probably will always continue to be there. But this idea of doing good work, that's where it all starts. And I guess what I'd say to us collectively, because we're all listening, is that we already kind of can check that one off. The work you do is good work, and I'm glad you do it, and you make the world a better place. You work hard to make sure bad things don't happen, and that's good work. Part two of this is the idea of doing it well. 
Now, that's the part I think that's most interesting, at least at some level. That's the part where you have the most control. Because doing stuff halfway, that's not going to be satisfying. That's not what you want. Phoning it in, that's not a good thing to do, right? Retiring in place, that sucks. I think what the kids are calling it now is quiet quitting. That's not good. And the thing we know about quiet quitting or phoning it in or doing a job halfway is that that will dramatically impact the satisfaction you feel for the work you have. So if you don't think you're doing good work, then don't do it. But if you think you're doing good work, but you're doing it poorly, that's an opportunity for growth that we should explore. And it may not be your fault. I mean, there may be other systems, pressures, other forces, other cultures around you that are putting you into a position where you ought to think about it. But ultimately, if you're not doing it well, then you should be. And the only thing I can point you to, which I think makes a difference, is your own pride in what you do. What represents you better than anything is you. And so your ability to represent yourself becomes pretty significant. And the thing you have control over is how that work is done. So I learned a long time ago when I was a young buck or buckette that um, I should control everything I can control when I do a workshop. And I learned it from this guy, Lloyd Knudsen. He was really a great boss. And we used to do these meetings every single day all summer long different crowd, and we'd have 100 people, 100 people every day, different crowd every day. And we'd set that room up. We'd get a count. How many people are coming to today's meeting? There's going to be 91. And then I would go and put in 91 chairs, not 100 chairs, not 80 chairs, but 91 chairs. I'd put exactly the amount of chairs up for the number of people that were in the meeting. And I would arrange the room every single day. Now, that seems like a lot of work, right? You know, you don't have to do that. Just put 110 chairs in that room and you'll always have, even in the worst case scenario, an excess of 10 emergency chairs. You'll have reserve. You'll have capacity. But what I learned in that exercise, and at first it was like, what a lot of work. Every day we got to do this, is that I could then help the crowd understand where they needed to be, where they needed to sit. And the room always looked full, and it looked like just the right number of people that were supposed to be at that meeting were at that meeting. And what I learned very carefully, and it's become really important, is that I can help people be successful by creating an environment where they feel like success is the outcome that's available to them. Good work done well. Doing work well is a clear definition of satisfaction. But it's kind of a chicken and egg question because if you're not doing work well, you're not satisfied with your work, which means you're probably not doing good work. But if you're doing the best you can, the work you do is as good as you can do it, then here's what we know. Eventually, you're going to feel very, very good about your work, that's going to give you meaningfulness. That's going to create satisfaction. That's why craftsmanship is so incredibly attractive. 
That's why a well-made counter is beautiful to see. Good work done well for the right reasons. And that third one, well, that third one is the one we ought to spend some time on because that's the one I think that is most open to interpretation. Good work is good work. Done well, you know what that means. In fact, you really know what it means when it's not done well. But for the right reasons, that's where you align the work you do with a greater sense of good. And all of us, at some level, have an understanding of a good that exists beyond us. And if you don't have that understanding of a good that exists beyond you, you're a sociopath. And if you're just realizing that, this is a really important podcast because this is a big day for you. This is the day you learn you're a sociopath. But I'm guessing most of us aren't sociopaths. It's generally a pretty good gamble. The world is not filled with sociopaths. There are sociopaths. But for the most part, they don't hang out with us too much. That's important because it's for the right reasons. It's for the sense of greater good that at least to me, you'll have to fill in the blank here, is what makes life worth living. It's that attachment to something other than oneself, a greater sense of good. It's it's the reason you leave your campsite better than when you found it. It It's not because you're going to get to appreciate the betterness you left in that campsite. You're not. You're leaving. But the next people that come will have even a better experience than you did because the campsite is better than when you were there. And that sense of greater good, that moral good, and that's what we're talking about. In essence, that's been something we've tried to tap into for millennia. In fact, we'll probably always be trying to tap into that. And the job you do in the work you have is exactly that job, is to tap into that greater sense of good. And that one's hard to measure, and it's hard to describe, and it's hard to delineate, and yet you know exactly what that one is. There's no question what that is. I mean, you you know it well. And that sense of doing things for the right reason, that's what keeps us all moving forward. That's the reason you get up every morning, is the chance to make the world a better place is yours every single day. We share that, you and I. We have the chance to make the world a better In fact, it's it's why you took the job you took. Because if you didn't want to make the world a better place, you probably would work somewhere. There's a lot of other jobs you could have that don't have nearly the taxing, emotional, and psychological uh, toll that the job you have now does. But because you want to leave the campsite better than when you found it, you're constantly striving for greater good. Good work done well for the right reason. Good work done well for the right reason. I hope that is the discussion that people wanted to hear. It's definitely 
uh, it's a treat to be asked to do that discussion again. I, I promise you the first time I did it, I didn't think it would be very meaningful. I mean, I, I don't know what I thought. I, I just, I was probably thinking, what does all this mean? How do we determine meaningfulness? And I'll bet you Nikola I had that discussion during the early part of the pandemic when everything was just kind of going crazy. And I had to think about what that meant. Little did I know that one would have the legs that it had and that I would get a bunch of emails saying it's time to revisit that because it probably is time to revisit that because the world we live in today is different than the world of two years ago, way different than the world of two years ago. And you know what's cool is the world we're going to live in two years in the future is going to be different than it is today. And so that's a big part of kind of the journey we're on and where this takes us. And I think that's a fun thing to, to think about. That's the pod for today. Learn something new every single day. Have as much fun as you possibly can. Be kind to each other. That's important. Take care of one another. Check in on one another. And for goodness sakes, you guys, be safe.